Yeah. Yeah. Hey yo, man, it's your time. And fuck poverty. This money, man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Phil and Leroy Judgmental Podcast. I'm Leroy. And as you can see with the title, this is our 50th episode. So let me thank everyone who comments on Twitter, follows me on Twitter, uh, likes on YouTube. Thank you for taking your time out of your day and listening to us. Hopefully we... we uh, add something to your day and hopefully also hopefully that we will have 50 more episodes to go so let me start off by talking about 38 year old Brandon Elliott who assaulted a 65 year old Asian woman I think the woman was Filipino in front of a luxury New York apartment building uh here's a quick report The attack too brutal to show in its entirety. A 65-year-old Asian-American woman on her way to church in New York City kicked in her stomach, her head then stomped on three times. Police say the suspect told the victim, F you, you don't belong here. It was shocking to see someone like that just randomly kick you for for being a certain race. So... We're kind of outraged right now, our our community. Adding to the outrage, surveillance video shows the staff working in a building just feet away, watching, then shutting the door, leaving the injured woman on the ground. The staff now suspended pending further investigation. It's just outlandish for me to, to think that no one intervened. To seeing the reaction of the doorman and the delivery guy inside, It was just so sickening. The woman hospitalized with serious injuries and the attacker getting away. The NYPD's hate crime task force now investigating. We continue to see these horrible, disgusting attacks on Asian American New Yorkers, and it's got to end. Crimes against Asian Americans continuing across the country. This weekend in Oakland, California, two cars belonging to the only two Asian families on this road set on fire. One of the owners echoing the message of so many who are scared and desperate for the hate to end. We want peace right now, peace, please. We just like not do anything wrong to people. We want peace to live in the United States. And President Biden just announced new actions his administration is taking to respond to the growing number of these crimes, including creating a task force committee dedicated to addressing and ending xenophobia against Asian Americans. Marcy Gonzalez, ABC News, Los Angeles. Now, something that our news media didn't really tell us that the man Brandon Elliott is on lifetime parole for fatally stabbing his mother in 2002. He was free from prison on November 2019. He uh, lived in a hotel that served as a homeless shelter. So he was homeless. He was homeless and he stabbed his mom. So they already tell you that uh, there's some screws loose upstairs. So my thing is, uh, would I be surprised if someone may have paid him to do this? I don't know. But uh, and my whole life, and my whole living black, I've never heard of a of, of a guy taking Asian a Asian person telling them that they don't belong here. That doesn't sound like something that a black person would say. Well, reportedly he said that. I don't know. 
And another thing our news media didn't tell us about, uh, they mentioned in uh, in uh, the report that the security guards shut the door and did nothing. Well, actually, if they played the video a little further, they opened the door and they did try to help the lady out. Also, one of the security guards that wasn't on the video called the police at when this was going on. So, well, my thing is, these are security guards for a building. As a security guard rule is, you're not supposed to get involved in anything, any type of uh, activity. You're supposed to just call 911 or render service or render aid or service. You're not supposed to jump in anything like that. <clears throat> now, also, the, the media didn't tell us that someone did confront Brandon Elliott as this was going on. And Brandon Elliott supposedly pulled a knife out on a guy. So one of the security guards had opened the door. It was a security guard and it was a, a FedEx delivery guy that was just standing there. If I'm the FedEx delivery guy, I wouldn't get involved in that neither. I'm pretty sure the, the FedEx guy has a family. And now let's say he, he supposed jumped out and helped this lady out. And that man pulled a knife on him and stabbed him. Now, who's going to take care of his family? Is FedEx going to give him, going to still pay him money when he's sitting in the hospital? I doubt it. What about if the security guards, if the security guards jumped in it while while he was he was attacking that woman and he pulled the knife on him and stabbed one of them? Now, is this security company um the manager of the apartment building is the Broski organization? Would they pay for the would they pay for the uh, security guards? Would they pay for his medical and would they pay for keeping his billing up to date? I doubt it. So, of course, you know what we do on this day and age. The Broski organization, the company that manages the luxury apartment, said in a statement posted on Instagram that it condemns all forms of violence, racism, and xenophobia and violence against the Asian community. The company said that the staff who witnessed the attack has been suspended, pleading an investigation in conjunction with their union. So... As of course you know in this day and age what we do is if we don't like what you say or like what you do, we'll see where you work at and try to get you fired. Now, why would these guys get fired? I have no idea. There's no reason to fire these men. It didn't happen inside of the building. And their only duty is to call the police when they see something happen, not to get involved. So, of course, you know, now is uh, the narrative is black people don't like Asian Asian people. I don't know where this comes from all of a sudden, but um, here's a little video, a little 30 second video from ABC Nightline. Here's what this guy says about about uh, the black people in the Asian community. The black community to realize that that black people are hurting Asians and they need to speak out in their own community. We need the black community to realize that the that black people are hurting Asians and they need to speak out in their own community. We need the black community to realize that the that black people are hurting Asians and they need to speak out in their own community. Uh, that was from Eric Lawson. His uh, father-in-law passed away 
this was in San Francisco. He was knocked to the ground and uh, passed away two days later in the hospital. The man was 84 years old, I think. And supposedly the guy that did it had mental problems. So I don't know where all this uh, black people need to talk to the other blacks to stop hurting Asian people. Where did this come from? I don't know. Black people are the biggest allies to the Asian community because, let's be honest, how many of them do we send to college? (laughs) Dale, we have a store here in uh, Philadelphia, Danny Walks. They make the best fried chicken. The place is always crowded, and everybody that's in West Philly, maybe West Philly Southwest, maybe all over, know about Danny Danny Walks fried chicken. Now you tell me how many how many kids that went to to the best schools and college all for the backs of black people. Black people are the biggest allies to the Asian community. Uh, nail salons. Let's not forget about the blue supply stores. Who, who goes to the beauty supply stores? None but black people. We send your kids to college. So we're your biggest allies. Okay, now we're going to go to Atlanta in Coweta County. A father and son shootout captured on a family security camera. A Coweta County father told deputies he confronted his son about having a gun in his pocket. Rather than turn it over, the son opened fire on him. Damn, how's that barbecue going to be? Here's the report. New at six tonight, a Coweta County father tells deputies he confronted his son about having a gun in his pocket. And he says rather than turn it over, his son opened fire on him. It was all caught on the family's home security camera, as you saw there. Our Fox News' Doug Evans has more on the story now from Coweta County. Deputies say the surveillance video starts with Mario Clark leaving his father's house, the father behind him pointing a weapon at his son. The father then flinches, ducks, and runs for cover after a shot is fired in his direction. Deputies say the family shootout started when the 26-year-old Mario Clark arrived at his father's house with a gun in his pocket, a gun his father did not want in his house. So the dad saw the imprint of the gun, which is an outline of the gun in the son's clothing, and uh, father did not want any firearms at his residence uh, or the son to be in possession of them, so he was trying to disarm his son. Deputies say when Clark would not surrender the gun, the father retrieved his own weapon. Deputies say the video continues with Mario Clark running back into frame, sprinting toward his father and firing shots. They say the father returned fire in an obvious fight for his life. The father then called 911. Our patrol deputies were able to make contact with the male outside of the residence and were able to detain him. He still had the firearm on him at that time. Deputies say the father acted in self-defense and is not facing charges. Not so for his son. Mario Clark was booked in here to the Coweta County Jail on a charge of aggravated assault. In Coweta County, Doug Evans, Fox 5 News. There's some deep-seated issues there. And good thing that neither one of them knew how to shoot because that could have been ended really bad. I don't know. When you're shooting a gun, you have to use two hands. I don't know where it's just shooting with one hand and all that stuff. No wonder why people never get shot and all of a sudden innocent people always getting hit and caught in a crossfire and all that stuff. You shoot guns with two hands, not one. Well, we're going to talk about our boy. America's first Slim Shady, Michael Rappaport, and his beef with Kevin Durant. So uh, this goes back to 
December, there was a video with uh, Kevin Durant and Charles Barkley. Here's the video. This was in December, around December. This was KD's first game as a Brooklyn Nets. Uh, it, felt, it felt good. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I didn't approach it any different. I mean, the preseason games, I, I kind of felt the same energy. Um, but it's good to get a win. You know, Kevin, uh, that was talk about you coming back for the playoffs last year. So you really just been working on your game, trying to get back your timing and conditioning, really, be, to be honest, correct? Yeah. KD, as a superstar, how difficult is it to play for a guy that really doesn't have a lot of coaching experience? Um, uh, well, Steve has a lot of basketball experience, and I think that uh, that bodes well for our team. And our whole coaching staff has been in the league for decades, you know, and guys that played in the league, <clears throat> excuse me, guys that coached in the league for a long time. So just having that knowledge for the game is uh, good. And then, you know, walking the sidelines, he'll get, he'll get used to that over time. But, you know, he's done a great job so far. You know, Kevin, you, you've been on championship teams. You've been in the NBA Finals. And now you're taking some guys that have only made the playoffs. Like, what is the message that you send them on a consistent basis from day one to end of season? Uh, come in to work and be the best you can be every day. And the rest will take care of itself. When a season starts with a game like this, Kevin, and you're looking across the floor and seeing guys that uh, you know very well and you uh, shared time with, uh, I see a, a shot of you and Draymond there after the game, but I saw... Obviously, you and Steph beforehand. What are the emotions that go into a night like this? No emotions at all. I mean, I'm just, uh, it's good to see, you know, old friends and um, old teammates. Um, but I wouldn't say it was any emotion. You know, I, I think guys came out here and just played extremely hard and competed and put on a good show for the opening night. Yeah, uh, Kevin, you know, with, with Mike, you have, you have Steve Nash, you have D'Antoni, you have Amari. A lot, obviously, the Phoenix Suns thought process comes in. How different is the offense than you're accustomed to or, be, or seeing? Is there, is there that mix, or this is very familiar for you? Well, no, it's just basketball. I mean, running, passing and cutting and, you know, being aggressive to the rim and getting back in transition is all – it's just a game. You know, certain coaches and, and organizations, I'm sure, use different terminology, but at the end of the day, it's still basketball. And, um, you know, so we're going to come in here and play it the way we want to play it. And, you know, coach is doing a good job of uh, hammering out all our – you know, principles every single day. So we just got to keep going. Kevin Durant, 22 points on 7 of 16 shooting and a 125 to 99 win on opening night over Golden State. Thanks a lot for spending a couple of minutes with us. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. And so. So as you can hear, he, he answered everyone else's questions except Charles Barkley. He gave him a one word question. And so our boy Slim Shady, Michael Rappaport, decided to defend Charles Barkley. Uh, they DM'd each other on Twitter. And here's the, uh, <laughs> here's the conversation between them. Okay, uh, so Michael Rappaport tweeted, KD seems deeply in his feelings with the NBA on TNT crew after the game. Damn it, he's super sensitive about everything. Don't do the interview. So Durant replied your bitch <laughs> slim shady replied just do the fucking interview if you're upset about something they something they said is of course he's supposed to say something 
something that they said. Say something up there looking like you're going to cry and shit. Durant replied, I did the interview, you dickhead. Tell your baby daddy Chuck to be better at his job and frame his questions better. He gave me two options for that dumbass question. Yes or no. I heard it all before, you cunt. Chuck doesn't need you as security, you pale, pasty, cum-guzzling bitch. I swear, I'ma spit in your face when I see your dirty ass. Bet your life of it. Bet your life on it. Meet me on 17th tomorrow at 10. Or better yet, what's your address? 10 a.m. at Catch Steak on the corner. Meet me there, pussy. So, Slum Shady replied, Go help the kids in Brownsville, Brooklyn, and stop being a fucking putz. Durant replied, You are a bitch, and even caring about how I do an interview, all you do is cocksuck other men for attention. Trump didn't pay attention to your sorry ass, so now you want to use everybody else to get views and laughs. Your life is a pale, your life is a joke, you fucking pale cocksucker. Go get some sun. It's fucking your brain, piece of shit. Slum Shady replied, Go to Brownsville and help the people that need it, goofball. Durant replied, You go do it, you clown. Good for you. Nobody gives a fuck. Suck a dick. Can't wait to tell you all this in person. So, I'm assuming at this time that uh, Michael Rappaport saw all this stuff and he had contacted a lawyer about it. So, Durant replied, You called your lawyer like the pussy you are? Ha 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 ha. You couldn't even point noy talking shit. I don't, you can't even talk point noy talking. I don't know what that means. Defamation of character. Pussy ass want to lawyer up. Your wife mad as fuck because you wasted that little bit of money on lawyers because you can't take a joke. Ha 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 ha. How pussy are you? Your wife doesn't even respect your bitch ass. So Michael Rappaport took all the private conversations and made it public. So everybody was all up in arms about this week what he said. They called it homophobic, but I don't see anything homophobic with what he said. So the NBA fined Kevin Durant 50 grand. How in the world can you find someone? They had a personal conversation. He didn't know that 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 Michael Rappaport was going to make it public. So how can it be? How can you find someone for offensive and derogatory language? If you playing basketball. And you playing against another another competitor? Don't they talk the same way? So how in the world is that? Why in the world would you find a guy like that? He didn't know that Michael Rappaport was going to make it public. Kevin Durant made a made a uh, told the the reporters, "I'm sorry that that people seen the language I used. That's not really what I want people to see or hear from me. But hopefully, I can move past and get it back back out there on the floor." Uh, Steve Nash, the coach of the Brooklyn Nets, told reporters that the organization had a conversation with Durant. What, are you, what is there to talk about? People use that same language every day. Well, here's the only thing I can uh, say. Another thing in my black living, I've never heard a black man call another man a quote-unquote cunt. <laughs> I swear, these new black people are different. They're different today. They'll let their dogs lick them in the mouth, and, and they'll kiss the dog in the mouth, go into the store with the dogs. Uh, that used to be frowned upon back in the day, so now 
I tell you, these black people, they just totally different. All right. Now, let's talk about New York guard, New York Liberty guard, Laisha Clendon. Laisha is a, a lesbian, and I think she's like the president of the team or something like that. So she tweets the amount of black men who drag our league and blame women for their problems while not making the connection to how that's exactly what white people do to you regarding your race just blows my mind. That's a double whammy of being black and a woman. First of all, where did this come from? I've never heard of a black man down, down a WNBA. So she tweets this. A person replied with this link from ESPN. In 2013, ESPN said their WNBA audience was majority male, as it had been for years. 60% of the viewers were male, and almost half were African American. Viewership for those 19 games broadcast for the 2014 regular season was an average of 240,000. There you go. So I don't know where she get this that black men drag the WNBA. Of course, black men always got to get the shit. Uh, first, first is black against the whites. Now it's black against the Asians. And now it's black men don't like either black women or just women in general. One or the other. I don't know where in the world we should get that from. Because even the players, they all support they all support the WNBA. You hear LeBron James talking about women's games and all that stuff. So I would surely love to know an example from Ms. Clarendon. Where would she get this information from that black people, black men, don't like to lead? I've never heard of a white person uh, on ESPN or a sports reporter, whatever you want to call them. I've never heard of a white person, a white man talking about the WNBA or about a woman basketball player in general. The only thing I heard people talk about is how Candace Parker, she's a, a commentator now on a TNT, TNT uh, halftime show or, or pregame show, postgame show. How they go, how her and Shaq go back and forth with each other. That's the only thing I ever heard of them talking about uh, a female basketball player, and that's not even a game. That's just her sitting there talking. So I would love where Miss Clinton get this stuff from. It's ridiculous. And where all this that black men hating hating women or black women, I would love to know where this come from. And she's a lesbian anyway. She don't do lesbians like men. I don't know. So of course, as we do on here, we have to go all the way down to Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and we're gonna talk about Miss Edith Riddle. A Florida mom showed up to her daughter's middle school with a boxing glove and allegedly attacked a student. Authorities said. Edith Riddle, 34 of Jacksonville, was arrested on child abuse stemming from an alleged beatdown last week at DuPont Middle School. Police said a school safety officer had heard a frantic announcement over the school's radio system about a fight outside the cafeteria around noon, March 18th. When the officer got there, he found Riddle in a physical altercation with a female student. Riddle had been on campus for a meeting with the vice principal and her daughter, cops said. Rather than exit the building afterwards, the daughter made a beeline to the cafeteria to fight a girl, police said. Witness told police Riddle's daughter shoved the girl and threw some punches before the mom allegedly began whopping the victim. <laughs> Bizarrely, a bystander told authorities the mom appeared to have a boxing glove on her left hand, a southpaw, huh?
Riddle allegedly had the glove on while when she arrived on campus, insisting that it was super glued to her wrist and she couldn't remove it, according to KVUE. The girl suffered bruises to her knees and forearms, authorities said. She was later taken to the hospital for a follow-up evaluation. Her parents told authorities they wanted criminal charges filed against Riddle. So she showed up to a meeting with the vice principal with a boxing glove on. So the vice principal didn't notice that she had a glove on her hand? I don't get it. It, Well, hey, look, we ain't supposed to get it because we don't live in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) and don't you suppose to check in when you are going to a school so did she check in because she had the boxing gloves on when she hit boxing glove on when she walked in so did she check in or wasn't nobody there to check her in or what so how in the world you allowing this woman to walk freely into a school supposedly she had a weapon well she did have a weapon her her licensed hand her licensed southpaw hand. I don't know. Well, could she be a southpaw? Uh, maybe she just wanted to use her. She wanted to use the right. But uh, she wanted to just touch her a bit with the jab, the left jab. I don't know. <laughs> it's Florida, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, ain't nothing you can say about that. And last but not least, let's talk about the Eagles uh, trading their sixth pick to the Miami Dolphins for the 12th pick. So the Eagles made a draft altering move if they traded down, traded out, I'm sorry, of the sixth overall pick, moving back to the 12th overall pick and collecting Miami Dolphins 2022 first round pick in a process. So the Eagles get the 12th overall pick this year, the 123rd fourth round pick this year, and Miami's first round draft pick next year. So the Dolphins got the Eagles sixth pick this year. And the Eagles' fifth round, 156 pick in this year's draft. When I first heard this, well, first of all, I think that they said that the Eagles wanted to move down to number three. But I think the Eagles was going to get a a quarterback. And they've been talking about this quarterback, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is a quarterback from, I want to say, BYU. Uh, I'm not good at college football, so I think he's the BYU's uh, quarterback. So I think they had their their mind on a quarterback, and they changed they changed their mind and just took the 12th pick. 12th pick, I'm assuming you can get a good wide receiver at number 12, and plus the Eagles get Miami Dolphins first round draft pick next year. And the Miami Dolphins is always horrible anyway, so we always got to root us Eagle fans got to root on the Miami Dolphins uh, messing up next year. So first, when I first heard this, I said that that was a bad move, but I have to give them a looking at it. I have to applaud the Eagles for doing this because you're going to have three first round draft picks next year if they play the cards right. If Carson Wentz uh, complete everything that he's supposed to do at the Colts and we get Miami's first round draft pick and our first round draft pick, that means they'll have three first round draft picks next year. Good job, Eagles. That was a good job. And good job with staying with your quarterback too. So get, let him give a run this year. And if he doesn't, if you don't like what you see, you can get a quarterback next year, and you can get someone, get two other people on that first round draft pick. Good move. I I, I normally don't really don't uh, give Eagles the compliments on their draft decisions and all that stuff, but this was actually a good one. First, I didn't like it, 
But looking looking at it now, it actually was a good move. Again, thank you for taking your time out listening to us. And thank you for uh, listening to us all the time as we celebrate our 50th episode. Well, you can reach us on Twitter and Facebook at PNL Judgmentals. You can reach us on Instagram at the two underscores judgmentals. Or you can email us at pnljudgmentals at gmail.com. Thank you. And I really appreciate you taking your time out listening to us. Have a good one. Hey, yo, man, it's your time. And fuck poverty. This money, man. I can tell you're mad at me just by how your face look. You can check the status on my level, not my Facebook. Comments on my photos, that's why I stay on the low low. Most of y'all is associates, so I be on my dolo.